Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday people share real and personal stories. Some are profound and challenging, while others are more common and relatable, shared with honesty and humor. But all of these stories reveal what God can do in our lives when we trust Him with the details. Thanks for joining us. everyone, this is your host Kelly from the Storytellers Live team. On each episode, you'll hear a different woman share her story of God's transforming love. These stories are recorded in a live setting at weekly local gatherings where we're aiming to build community through sharing, connecting, and encouraging one another. Most importantly, these stories reveal the faithfulness of God and how He can take what's ordinary and broken and exchange it for extraordinary and redeemed. Today's storyteller, Lauren, comes from our community group in Katy, Texas. Lauren's story is one that involves unimaginable health challenges, yet it's also laced with tiny miracles from God. I believe you'll find her story to be filled not only with hope and encouragement, but also with evidence that we serve a God who is always working behind the scenes. Here's Lauren. Okay. Um, I'm a crier. I'm just giving you free warning. So... Just expect it, but I'll try to be good. Um, okay, so my name is Lauren, and I have this, and y'all just bear with me. I feel like I get nervous right before I start talking, but once I start talking to y'all, it'll just be like I'm we're just hanging out because I don't have a shortage. I don't have a problem of talking. So, I mean, a lot of you can tell already know that about me. But, um, okay, so I grew up in Kingwood, so like North Houston. Um, I grew up in church. I became a Christian when I was seven years old. Um I had a very normal childhood. Um, I graduated from A&M. Any whoops? Yes, yes. Um, a degree in education. I married my husband and 10 years ago. Um, we have three kids. We have Asher, who's seven, Bryn, who is five, and Joshua, who is one. And this is my story. So I love being pregnant. Like, I love babies. I would have, like, a horde of them. The problem is I am a terrible, terrible pregnant person. Like when Asher was born, everything was fine. I was induced. Everything was great. I got pregnant again when Asher was 18 months old and we lost that baby right before we moved to Katy. But upon God's good blessing, we moved to Katy and I was pregnant before my next cycle even came with Bryn. However, I loved my college station doctor. Like worshiped the ground he walked on. So even though we lived in Katy, I decided I'm going to drive to College Station for every single doctor's appointment. It's only like an hour and a half, which is fine. You know, whatever. I had a, Asher was in preschool, so I would just go to all of my doctor's appointments. However, Bryn was a very different pregnancy than Asher. I went into labor on my own at 36 weeks with her and I went to College Station and I laughed because when I got to College Station, it was kind of late and the anesthesiologist came in and he was like, are you the one that came to Katie, came from Katie to deliver your baby? Because it was like, who leaves Houston yeah. to go to college station? So like, I was like a celebrity in the hospital. They wanted to take good care of me, but you know, we'll see how that goes. Um, so she was a terrible, my labor with her was awful. Like they gave me so many drugs that I went to sleep and they had to wake me up and tell me it was time to push. 
And I was sleeping because they had given me so much, which at the time I was like, thank you. This is great. Not knowing. So after I had her, I got sick, like, and I just put it all to, they just gave me a lot of medicine. And so I was ill, you know, I threw up or whatever, which is really common with epidurals. You know, I hadn't had that with Asher. And I was like, again, it's just a different pregnancy, a different time, whatever. <coughs> Sorry. So the day I was supposed to be released, I got out of bed, you know, because you have to take going home photos. So like I showered and I like got in the mirror to do my makeup and was like, my face is funny. So I called the nurse and they were like, oh, you probably just have a little bit of Bell's palsy. Like, cause my right side of my face was droopy. And like when I would smile, my right side of my mouth wouldn't smile. And I was like, I know that something is wrong. And they're like, oh, it's just Bell's palsy. So I went home. It was sad because I hate all of our going home photos because my face was so screwed up and I was really fat because, you know, when you have babies. <laughs> and so I got home and I was extremely swollen, which again, I said, it's a different pregnancy. They gave me lots of drugs, but I stayed swollen for a long time afterwards. I had a headache that was unlike any headache I've ever had. I've had headaches my whole life, but after I had Brandon, that headache just would not go away and it continued to stay for the next three years. I would just have this constant headache. And then my right eye would go blind and I just wouldn't be able to see randomly. And it was terrifying because it would be like, no, it's just that the lights are out. You know, I would always justify like, oh, it's just I was laying on that side because, you know, when you, you wake up, your eye has to kind of adjust. It wasn't, but I convinced myself that that's what it was. So I spent the last half of 2014 to 2017 going to every doctor you can imagine, like opto plastic surgeons, like weird doctors, because I went to the neurologist, I went to the eye doctors, the everything. Nobody could tell me anything. They all said, oh, you're fine. Like I had my MRI done and they said, you have some white spots on your brain. You might have MS, but maybe not. We are not sure. No, you don't have MS. Like it just, for those three years, it was just this wave of what is wrong with me? Like something is wrong with me. And they would say, oh, the spots are just migraines. You just have migraines now. And I'm like, I've had migraines my whole life. This is different. There's something different. And every doctor would look at me and say, you're 27 years old. You're in great shape. You're not overweight. You're not old. You have nothing going against you. Surely you are perfectly fine and you just get headaches and you're just making a big deal out of this. So I found out I was pregnant with Joshua. I finally convinced Justin that we should have another baby. It took me some convincing. So we have, I find out I'm pregnant with Joshua on Father's Day in 2017. And I was almost immediately sick. So with my other two pregnancies, I always get HG. I was hospitalized for both of my other pregnancies because I was like barely 100 pounds at one point because I would get so sick and I would throw up and then half of me was like, yes, I'm so skinny. <laughs> Not what people say when they're pregnant, you know, like. I was miserable, so sick. So I also had kidney stones, like, which is awful. I would just get sick, 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 which is partially why Justin didn't want to have a third one because he was like, I cannot deal with you, Lauren. Like, <laughs> two is enough. But um, he gave in to me, which God thanks you that he did. So Asher was at a Taekwondo camp. It was August of 2017. Bryn was with me and I picked him up from the Taekwondo class and I was like, we're going to go to Target and I'm going to get ginger ale and I'm going to get Gatorade and 
I'm going to get ahead of this because I am not going to be hospitalized this time, which is like so silly because when you have it, there's nothing you can do to like not be sick. Like Gatorade is not going to save you from HG. Anyways, I'm in Target. The kids are like going crazy. I'm like going to the checkout line and I tell, I felt so sick. And I tell the checkout lady, I just really don't feel good. I'm pregnant. Like I'm very early pregnant. And the next thing I know, I'm laying on the floor of Target unconscious. And my children are like panicked. And my son still says, I thought you were dead, mommy, because my hair was really long and it just was covering my face. And I was just laying on the floor in Target. And it's just so terrible to think about. But I just passed out on the floor in Target. And Target was wonderful because they took my kids and they gave them a corn dog and an icy and took them to the eye center and let them watch Moana on, <laughs> on their cell phone. And thankfully, this is one of those things that I don't have a lock on my phone. So my, they were able to open my phone and call my husband. So they called Justin. And the funny thing is, like, I tell Justin, I'm like, how did you know that to answer it? Like, you know, and when someone from Target calls you, what did you think? And he goes, I knew you passed out. Like he knew, but he just assumed it was like, here we go again. Like she's eight weeks pregnant and she's sick and she's passed out at Target now. Like, so it wasn't surprising that I passed out at that time. So they call my neighbor. She comes and gets the kids and I like come to in the ambulance and I'm like, wait, you need my keys. My kids aren't going to be able to get home. They need the car seats. And the, the EMTs are like, your neighbor already has come and gotten your kids. Like they're already gone. Don't worry about it. Like we're just going to get you to the hospital. So they get me to the hospital and they did a CT scan because I just had a terrible headache still, you know, and they did the CT scan and also it was at Target. So I hit my head and I remember being in the hospital room and it's one of those moments that your entire life changes like so quickly that you just think like, oh, I just have HG, I'm pregnant, whatever, give me some IV fluids and I'll be on my way. Like I'm done. And I think of the song all the time that says like, even the perfect days can end in rain because that was so true. Like my life was going along and then it was like this rain was about to come. And I remember my husband and Kaylee, right here, was um, in the emergency room with me. And they came in and said, it looks like you've had a previous stroke. And I said, mm, really? You know, like, it's one of those things like, are you serious? And then it was like one of those things that everything fell into place. Like, duh, Lauren, like, your face was droopy. Your right eye has been going blind for three years. Like, of course, you've had a previous stroke. So then I said to the doctor, I said, is it on the left side of my brain? because my right side of my face is what was affected. And they said, yes, how did you know that? Like, I knew exactly that. So it comes to find out that I had had a stroke when I gave birth to Bryn three years prior. And I mean, only by the grace of God too, though, that I was walking around functioning, not ever knowing that I had even had a stroke. So this was the beginning of a very long road because... That was just the start of everything because then I'm admitted to the hospital and they start running all these tests to try and figure out like, well, why did she have the stroke and why is she sick now? And I remember 
um, I had the first ultrasound of my baby and my friend Lindsay, who couldn't be here this morning, was in the room with me. Justin had gone to like figure out the kids. And later she told me, she was like, I was terrified, Lauren. She's like, it was just me and you in there. And it was your first ultrasound. You've passed out. You've had CT scans. You've had MRIs, all these things you're not supposed to have when you're pregnant. And I'm about to be, the, your husband's not with you. And I'm about to be in this room with you when we see whether or not your baby has survived all of this. And like, so we get on the ultrasound machine and my little warrior was just beating away and growing. And I mean, he's a little bitty bean. I mean, I was only like eight weeks, but you could see his heart beat. And it was just the only piece of that day was seeing my little warrior in my belly. And Lindsay was like, thank God he's alive. Like, I mean, she didn't say that then, but afterwards she was like, I don't know what I would have done. So, um, one of my friends had texted me and said, I had been praying so hard that your nausea would go away and that your vomiting would go away. And she goes, but now I have to stop and say, thank you for that unanswered prayer, Lord, because, because of your nausea and your sickness, you were so dehydrated, you passed out. And now we have found this. Like if God had answered that prayer in the way that we thought it needed to be answered in making me not be sick, I would have never passed out at Target. So it was one of those things that like God had orchestrated each part of that to fit perfectly according to his will. So that night I'm admitted to the hospital and Justin goes home to check on the kids. And I'm like, it's fine. Like I'm just living in this little world that, you know, I just have HG. It's fine. Go home. Like I'm just pregnant. Like our other two children need you go home. So at 1115, which should have been like my first warning flag, my neurologist calls me. A nurse doesn't come and tell me. A different neurologist that's there doesn't come and tell me. My neurologist calls me on my cell phone at 11.15 to tell me that on one of my scans that they have found a blood clot in my jugular vein and it could throw and I could die at any moment. So, oh my gosh, saying that just makes me want to vomit. So I like call Justin like hysterically and I'm like, come back to the hospital. Like, why did you go home? Like, <laughs> like so I remember and I feel like I can see it because he said he went upstairs to tell my mom and my mom is like me and is like, I'm sure was trying so hard to keep it together and was like losing it upstairs in my house. And because, so then of course I call Justin, he's like, I'm on my way back up there. So he comes back up all the while I'm like Googling blood clot and jugular vein. <laughs> And it's like extremely rare, like very uncommon. So then it makes sense. Like, of course I'm having blood clots. Like that's what I had a blood clot when I had my stroke. Like, and now I'm pregnant again and I have all this extra blood. So, um, I think a lot of this, at this point, my anxiety kind of took over and this fear of like, I wasn't even worried about Joshua at that point. It was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. Like, I'm going to die. So um, I wasn't getting any better. I like to live in this world that I was just there and I was fine, but I wasn't, you know, like I remember a therapy dog came to see me and it was like the best day ever. Like I'll never forget that therapy dog. And I'm like, it's such a small thing. But I told the lady, I was like, you are God sent because I have been in this hospital for a week now and there has been nothing to bring me joy. And this dog that hopped up on the bed with me and I was like, my sister would have been so disgusted that like they let an animal in the hospital, let alone in your hospital bed with like IVs. But I thought it was like the best thing ever. Um, so, um, I still wasn't thinking anything blood clot related, even though they were coming in twice a day to give me a shot. 
that were blood thinning shots while I was in the hospital. So um, I remember one time, and I'll never forget this morning because I've only seen my husband cry very few times. And this was one of those moments because I was laying in the hospital, but I remember the hospital room and it was my OB, a neurologist and my husband. At this point, I didn't have a cardiologist and which is wild. So I'm laying there crying to them and say, what is these blood clot? What if these blood thinning shots just thin my clot enough to throw the clot that it's not going to dissolve entirely and that it's just going to be enough to move it to my brain and I'm going to immediately die. And they all looked at each other and said, that's a very likely scenario. And I cried and said, I don't want to die. Like it was awful. And like the neurologist was crying because his wife had just had a miscarriage. Justin was crying. I was crying. Like the whole room was sitting there crying as I was begging them to save me because I did not want to die. Like it was just one of those moments, like, I don't want to die. Like what, do something, give me a stronger blood thinner, something so that I'm not, cause then it's like, okay, well, I'm going to die right now. You know, it's not like at any moment it could just throw and I would be gone like that. And you wouldn't even, I'm like, there, there has to be something. So shortly after that, they transferred me downtown because I feel like my neurologist, I think it was too close to home for him. He was real young and he was very like, his wife was pregnant, had just had a miscarriage. Like it was very, I think I was out of their wheelhouse at this point. Cause they were like, we don't know why she's having these strokes and she's not getting any better. So they sent me downtown. However, they sent me down, down to the stroke unit downtown, even though I wasn't having an active stroke and I have no symptoms that need rehabilitation from a stroke. They send me down there. And, um, they basically are like, you're fine. Keep taking your blood thinning shots, follow up. You're okay. Go home. Well, my cousin and my aunt came to visit me before I was released. And side note, my aunt is like the best. She brought me homemade jello and a can of ready whip in a cooler to my hospital room downtown. And she's, she was, she was the head nurse at nurse at Methodist for a long time. And she goes, I know the jello here is so gross. And so she brought me her real homemade jello. And, um, sorry, that was a side note. So my cousin is also a nurse and she was a nurse for a cardiologist. And she said, well, have they checked you for a PFO? And I'm like, Oh, uh, like, no, they have not. She says, a PFO is a patent formula ovula, and it is a hole in your heart between your chamber, your left and right chambers. Everyone has one. Babies have it. That's how they breathe in your womb because the air doesn't go through your lungs. So it just passes straight back and forth. When you're born, the hole closes and your blood flows through your lungs the proper way. You didn't know you were getting a science lesson too today, did you? Um, so they're like, check you for a PFO. However, I'm like, I've had an echocardiogram. I've had an EKG. Nothing is showing up. And she's like, they have to do a bubble study test. A bubble study test is, so you have an IV and they do an echocardiogram and they push saline through your IV. And when they do that, you have to cough. And when you cough, if you have a PFO, a bubble will cross through the hole. And you'll, they'll see on the echocardiogram the hole. 
But if you just have an echocardiogram, it doesn't show up. So they're like, okay, we'll give you a PFO test. Like the stroke unit was very like, whatever, like just get her out of here basically. So they do it and they're like, oh yeah, you have a small PFO, follow up with the cardiologist. You're good to go. So my cousin is like, what? They're making, they're letting you leave? Like you cannot leave. And so she's like, thank God for Emily because she called her, the man she works for, Dr. Lynn, and on a Sunday afternoon and told him the story. And he was like, I want to see her tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. Downtown now. So now I'm like, great. Now I'm officially moving downtown because I'm living there. So I switch to him and I get on board with him. I get on board with his a team. So he, the crazy God thing again, he had been doing a study over the past like three or four years of pregnant women with PFOs. <laughs> his, a cardiologist, neurologist, OB and maternal fetal medicine specialist were his team, which became my team. And I like loved all of them because I'm real picky, which is very weird. I like man OBs. And so I was like, I do not want a girl OB. And it was like, he was a man OB and he was very much like my old OB. So it was one of those things that it was just, what? Like, are you serious right now? So also at that time, they've done a bunch of more tests on me because now I'm at a new hospital, new, you know, they have to recheck everything. All the while, Joshua is just growing along like he's supposed to. This time they tell me that blood clot in your jugular vein, there's nothing there. So they tell me that I have a small jugular vein on one side and that it's just normal. So you could choose to believe that or you could choose to know that we serve a very miracle working Jesus who I have no doubt if I had that blood clot in my jugular vein, whether or not I have a small jugular vein or not, He has every ability to have healed that blood clot in that moment. Mm -hmm. So we will never know if I didn't have one or if I had one and it was gone the next time they checked. Because, I mean, that was like my biggest fear was that blood clot and it was just gone. Mm -hmm. Um, So during my hospital stays, I wanted to touch on this because I feel like it was so important for everyone else because it's like, your friends orbit you. During this time, I've had my friends show me what it truly meant to be the body of Christ. Because as I'm going through this, my friends like totally just rallied. And like, I'll never forget, Kaylee brought me, I texted her. I was like, I'm sick as a dog. I can't eat anything. And I'm like, I want a hot and ready pizza. (laughs) (laughs) And I want the kind that has extra cheese. So you're going to have to pay an extra dollar for it. (laughs) Like, so she comes with an entire pizza to the hospital to bring me this pizza. And I get, she gets there and I'm like, I can't eat it. I was like, I was so sick. I was like, I can't eat it. I was like, take it home. Like, let your family eat it. And then she like, we gave it to the nurses and the nurses were like, this is the best. Like, but that was an example of her just rallying around me. And like my other friend, Ashley, like she went to the grocery store and she bought two of everything her family needed for the week and gave her family something and then came and dropped off an entire thing of groceries for my mom who was with my kids. Like, I remember coming home from the hospital and being like, where did this come from? Like, I don't buy this. Like, this is amazing. Like the food, the outpouring of like, not only was I completely prayed over, but my friends became the body of Christ and rallied 
in every way that my kids were taken and picked up from school every day. My neighbor would come and wash and bathe my children because my mom couldn't get down on the floor with them. Like our street got real close because of all this, but they taught me so much on how to be the body of Christ to one another. So we truck on, live in life, months pass. I'm like still, I'm just on blood thinner at this point. I'm just going downtown for all my appointments. I love my team. I'm like not living in fear of having a stroke every day, kind of, you know, depends on the day. But everyone kept telling me like, how are you so joyful? Like, how are you so happy? Like you're just walking around like nothing is wrong with you. And it was like, I just kept coming back to like, I'm not happy about this. Like, is this the road that I would have chose to walk? Absolutely not. Like my happiness is very circumstantial and I'm not happy, but my joy that comes from within and that is not going to go anywhere regardless of the storm that I am in. And Louis Giglio has a quote that says, suffering is a megaphone for our faith. And I resolved that to be what I would do because I was going to suffer, but I wasn't going to suffer in vain because he was doing something and I knew it and I would pray. I would say, Lord, I know you were up to something like I'm just going to hold on tight because that's all I could do. So he was all over me like the Lord completely carried me through this all. And one of the thing in particular I remember is um, when you go downtown, I love listening to Sirius XM and like music is like my gateway. Like I love worship music. Like, I mean, many times I danced in my living room, big and pregnant and would just sob because it was the only time I was alone. So I would just cry and be scared and alone with God. And a lot of times that was driving downtown and I would get to the parking garage and I would lose it because, you know, when you go in the parking garage, you lose your satellite. And I'll never forget, even then by Micah Tyler was playing and it says, on the nights when the dark lasts a little bit longer, when the wind and the storm is a little bit stronger, when the fear in my heart dips a little bit deeper, when my faith to stand gets a little bit weaker, where could I run to? Where could I go? You never let me go. And it was like, I go through the parking garage, I get all the way to the top and I didn't lose it. And I remember thinking like, thank you, God. Like this was my hug I needed before I was to get out of the car and go to this doctor's appointment where every time I'm like, is Joshua okay? Like, am I okay? You know, it was like, but it was so neat. Like, I mean, how else can you explain that my satellite worked in a parking garage? Like it was just little things like that, that he was just constantly doing. And it's just important. I feel like that I, you have to stop and look for those gifts because I very easily could have been so wrapped up in, Oh, I've got to go downtown again, or this stinks. I'm dying, you know, like, and instead my perspective by the grace of God was to look for his gifts that he was giving me through this time. So we keep going on. Well, the end of December, um, I get food poisoning from a lamb burger that I chose to eat at some shushu restaurant downtown with a girl's night. And I'm like, seriously, Lauren, like you, who eats a lamb burger, let alone when you're pregnant and had been in and out of the hospital 1200 times. Like, but you know, I wanted to, it sounded good at the time. So I get food poisoning. My neighbor takes me to the ER because of everything. You know, I immediately get dehydrated, shakes me to the ER and they're like, well, you're real complicated. Like nobody wanted to touch me with a 10 foot pole, you know, cause you know, they're like, we're going to transfer you downtown. So since I'm downtown and since everything has already gone down, they're like, let's do another round of CAT scans, MRIs, 
at this point, go through the whole gamut again. So I do it all. This time again, Justin, I'm like, where are you, man? He was gone again for something. And the doctor comes in and it's like, it looks like you've had another stroke. But this time it's a silent stroke. So, which, I mean, insert fear, because a silent stroke, you have no symptoms on the outside, but your brain has damage. So I'm like, oh my gosh. I like had a, sh- I'm like trying to think like, when did I feel bad? Like, when did I have this stroke? Because they can't tell you when you had it. Sometime between August and December, I had it because that's the last time I had an MRI. And they're obviously not gonna run an MRI on me all the time, I'm pregnant. You're not supposed to have that at all. But they put the mother's health above the baby. And I mean, he was my warrior all along. So, um, they upped my blood thinner and sent me on my way again. But at this point, they say, you will have your PFO closed at six weeks post-birth. Because what they had figured out was that my blood was clotting and going through the hole in my heart to my brain. So they're like, we're closing the hole as soon as we can. I'm like, what? Now, not only am I living in fear of, I'm going to die from a silent stroke. I'm going to die from a massive stroke. Now, if I survive childbirth, I'm going to leave my newborn baby and my two other babies to go have a hole in my heart closed. I mean, when you say it out loud like that, it's like, what, Lauren? Like, I mean, I just, it's just crazy. So that song by Micah Tyler again, because it was like that fear in my heart, it dipped a little bit deeper. It got more real every day. And it was, again, my music was like, I literally would dance around the living room and pray and be like, you are the God of the hills and the valleys. And he is still the God in the valley. And he sees me in that valley in the same way he sees me when I'm on that mountaintop. And I just had to cling to that and hold on to that. Because so in January, my Sunday school class had a diaper luncheon for me because I was due in February. And I remember crying to a table at Alicia's Mexican Grill (laughs) of women who had been praying fervently for me and probably remembered me crying to them in August, telling them, I don't want to die, and told them, if I die, he is still good. And I want you all to remember that because... If I were to die, that was his perfect plan. And though it sounds terrible and morbid, he is good and he has a wonderful plan for that. And of course I didn't want to die, but I knew that my trust was completely and wholly in him. And I constantly would pray this quote from Red Sea Rules. If you ever need a quick read, Red Sea Rules is a really good one. It says, I pray I can turn my worries into prayers and my fears into faith. And I would worry like, well, my kids, if I die, I don't want my kids to be raised by anyone else. Like all of these worries constantly. And it was like, one of my friends told me, she said, Lauren, if you die, your children's plan was for them to not have a mother. Like that would be a God's plan. Like you cannot worry about, that would have been part of his perfect plan for my children if I was to die. And it was like that thing of just like, you're right. Like, He's got this. Like, I keep trying to take back control of it. 
he's got this. How many times has he carried me throughout this whole year? And the three years before I had the stroke. Like, so it was, again, just my fears into faith. So February comes. I promise I'm, I'm getting there. February comes. And um, I go into labor at 38 weeks. And his heart rate was dipping every time I would have a contraction, which again, God, because they were going to send me home because I wasn't fully like, you know, they don't want you to have them early, but because his heart rate was dipping just enough, they kept me and I had my baby with crash carts and blood transfusions standing outside my door. And it's funny because God just protected me during that time because I didn't know there was crash carts. I didn't know there was blood transfusions. I didn't know any of that. Like, I just was worried about having my baby and him being okay at that moment. Like, so, um, when you have, I think I missed that. When you have a stroke, every time you have a stroke, you're more likely to have another stroke. So when I had my second stroke, it means you're more likely to have another stroke. So after you give birth, the first 12 weeks, you are at a high risk of having stroke, even if you've never had a stroke. So that's, I was obviously at a very high risk of having another stroke. So the first six weeks, I'm like terrified. And sadly, I like don't remember a lot of his baby newborn six weeks because I was just so terrified I was going to have a stroke. And I mean, I was on blood thinners. I could nurse, thankfully. But I do remember I took more pictures I prayed with my babies more. I cried with my babies more. I took videos of me singing to them. I took videos of me in my videos because I constantly would think like, I want them to have videos of me if I die. Like, I mean, that's so terrible. Like, this is so morbid, but that's what I would do. So I had resolved Satan, totally Satan, in my head. You have survived so much, Lauren. This is gonna be the end. Like, he saved you. Like, you're out Like you have done so many times, like he's done saving you at this point. Like you're done. How foolish, like Satan, get away. Like not even. So that's so dumb of me to think that, but that's the fear that I had in my heart. That's very real. And, um, so six weeks come and they're like, all right, we're going to close your hole. There's two devices that you can have to have a PFO closed. One is approved by the FDA and has been around for um, teen years, and that's what they've closed everyone's PFO with. This other device is new. It's what my cardiologist had been doing all of his studies with, but it's not approved by the FDA. So insurance won't pay for it. And it's not approved by the FDA. I mean, that's kind of, you know. So, and it's going inside your heart. You don't want to put some random thing in there. But I really trusted my cardiologist and said, I want the new one. And he was like, well, we'll see what we can do. You know, like, and Justin's like, we'll pay out of pocket for it. You know, like, and he was like, I don't know if I can do that. We'll just have to kind of wait and see what insurance says. So okay. One of the devices, you have to take medicine for 30 days. They told me the medicine you have to take with it, you can't nurse. So you'd have to pump and dump for 30 days at six weeks. Well, we're almost all moms here, right? Yes. At six weeks, you still have ice packs on everything. You know, like that's not the time that I want to be pumping and dumping. I didn't have a good supply. I'm not a good nurser. 
I want to be a good nurser. I want to nurse my baby. He's my last baby, but I can't pump and dump for 30 days. Like I'm just gonna have to resolve that if I have to have this old device, I'm gonna have to give up nursing at six weeks, which was like heartbreaking. After everything I've been to, that was heartbreaking to me that I was gonna have, I wanted to feed my baby. That was so like, I love that bond with my baby. This other device, the new device, you only have to take medicine for three days and you pump and dump and then you're done. So again, another reason I wanted that other device. So I literally pumped in the waiting room before I went back and said, you know, this could be the last time I get to do this. I'd resolved that if I had to quit nursing, I would be heartbroken, but I would be alive and it wouldn't be the end of the world. A fed baby is a happy baby. Like it would be okay. So I get into the operating room and I'm like laying on the operating table. They're like playing Britney Spears, I think, was their like <laughs> the jam that they that the nurses had picked. And my cousin was the nurse for the cardiologist, but since I was family, she couldn't be in there. So she handpicked all my nurses to be in there with me. And um my doctor comes in and is like giddy. Like so giddy. It's like 6.30 probably, maybe 7 a.m. Comes to the table. I'm like still awake and says, the FDA approved your device this morning. <laughs> so if you Google like the Gore medical device to close the PFA, PFO FDA approval, April 3rd, 2018, like Google searches will show you April 3rd, 2018, the FDA approved that device for my heart. And it was... I had my, my, had my surgery, everything went good. I was home and feeding my baby within three days, like insane. And so I really, I was like, I don't know how to say this. Like, how do I say how big God was? And one of my friends told me, and I mean, I can't take this quote from my own because she was so good in this moment. She said, Lauren, God is so personal. He heard the cries of a desperate mama's heart and he loves you so much. He moved the FDA for you. <laughs> I was like, yes, yes. He moved the, F the morning of, like it could not have been. It's like that moment of like, you know, when he, Abraham takes to sacrifice Isaac and he had to get all the way there, all the way saying, I'm willing, I'm going to lay down right here before God provided that lamb. And that's exactly, I was laying on the table resolved. And I mean, it's such a small thing that I wanted to nurse my babies, but he's so personal and he loved me so much. And he came right alongside me and said, you trusted in me. So I'm going to bless this and keep you continuing to keep you. So, um, I love the song by Hillary Scott still, where she says, you're parting waters, making a way for me, and you're moving mountains that I can't even see. I could not see the FDA. You know, like I couldn't see those mountains. I couldn't see the waters that he was walking through for me, but he continued to walk through them over and over and over. And he continues to do that even now. So it's been amazing to watch how God has like used this whole thing because um, it's kind of weird because I always assumed that I would share my story with like women, you know, like that I know or talk to, you know, and it was like, my cardiologist calls me and he's like, we want to start something new at Methodist where women that have to get their PFOs closed can call you 
before they get their PFO closed so that you can walk them through it since you've been down that road. And it's been such a neat opportunity because I use that time and share, you know, what's God has done and how they need to just have faith that like, you know, it's going to be okay. And it's not that bad of a surgery. And I mean, they didn't cut me. They, it's, they go through your groin. Um, also it showed me that every day is a gift that it has given me a new perspective with my children. It has given me a new perspective with that baby who's now a toddler and into everything. But he is my, I, we picked the name Joshua because it means Jehovah saves. And if I hadn't been pregnant with him, we would have never found all of these things. And so Jehovah saved because he saved me. And My prayer for him is that he would be a warrior and a worshiper, just like Joshua was in the Bible and how we were that together when he was in my womb. We also say he's going to be a cardiologist because of all that. (laughs) Um, And I love this. um, I have been blessed because I have seen God work, but even more so because I belong to him. And I know that. And I always, at the day I had the surgery, I kept thinking of this over and over and I still think of this. And it says, I thought there's a God shaped hole in your heart that only he can fix. I fixed that hole a long time ago. And because he lives in my heart, I could go into that surgery with confidence that though I had a physical hole in my heart, my spirit was healed a long time ago. And I pray that for each and every one of you. Thank you. Lauren's story is a beautiful reminder for me to continue trusting God, especially in the midst of circumstances that are beyond my control. It also reminds me to choose joy in my not-so-happy moments, to be grateful and to allow the sufferings I face to become a megaphone for my faith and a spotlight for God's glory. We are so glad that you joined us today. As always, you can find more information about Storytellers Live, any upcoming events and gatherings or announcements on our website, storytellerslive.org or on our social media accounts, which are also Storytellers Live. And you all continue to blow us away with your feedback and your support of the ministry and especially for the ratings and reviews. That is how it gets the podcast to new ears and you just continue to amaze us and God has continued to amaze us with the way he's working and changing lives through stories, through your stories. Just a reminder that Storytellers Live is now on multiple platforms. So wherever you like to get your podcast episodes, you can look for Storytellers Live there and also subscribe. We'll be back next Wednesday with another new episode. We are so excited with all the stories coming in and we can't wait to share them with you. We hope you'll join us again soon.